0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line visit FullyLoadedChew.com This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mike Check, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I tell you what, man, it is gorgeous. And I don't mean like it's beautiful weather. I mean, it's gorgeous deer hunting weather here in Iowa. And there is a little part of me that wishes I wasn't tagged out right now. I wish I was out in the stand because really in Iowa, I hunted four afternoon sets up here by my house. And then I went down to my uh, other farm and uh, down by where my parents live. I hunted an afternoon, a morning and killed my buck. So I had technically seven sits in Iowa and then put an arrow in a deer. So I love shooting deer, but I love hunting equally. If that makes sense. So I didn't get to really experience the craziness uh, of the rut or the, the, the grind, so to speak. And and there's a little part of me that wishes I was still out there, um, uh, trying to do it. And, and I would go out and and shoot a doe, except my freezer is full. I have another deer at the processor right now, waiting to come home, uh, when I get a little bit more space in, in my freezer and we're having, we're eating out of that freezer almost every meal now which is great but at the same time it's like man i, I wish i could do a little bit more hunting but it, it is what it is so uh i hopefully all of you guys are out there uh working hard uh trying to find success whether you've already got it done during the archery season or whether you're, it's firearm season and you're out there trying to get it done with a muzzle loader or a rifle or shotgun or whatever um sending good vibes to you Today we have a really cool story about getting the job done, sticking with it, and uh, we're talking with Sean Lambert from Vermont. Now, I can see why a, a guy leaves Vermont to go to a, a state like Ohio to hunt public land, and uh, I'll tell you this: he uh, every time I, I I hear someone complain about Michigan or. Uh, Oh, it's another state, Pennsylvania or New York. From the sounds of it, Vermont and like certain states in the Northeast, specifically Vermont, maybe even Maine, might be some of the toughest hunting there is just because of lower deer numbers. Now, you know, this is based off of conversations that I've had with other people, but it sounds sounds tough. So Sean, he decides, you know what, I'm going to look for greener pastures. He settles on Ohio. I think he came... To Ohio a couple times before this this year and finally he gets the job done on a beautiful uh, Ohio buck and it's public land at that and he he breaks down the scouting. He breaks down the terrain features. We, we we break down the entire hunt, get into the details about how he was successful, why he thinks he was successful, and uh, some other cool stories along the way. So that's what today's episode is about. Um, if you are not finding success, the only advice that I can give to you is throw some curveballs, right? It, whether that's your access routes, whether that's... Uh, you know going into a place that you haven't hunted yet this year whether it's knocking on doors to get permission throw your you know twi- shake your strategy up dump it out and see what what happens and and now might be the time to get a little bit more aggressive as we're on the back half of the rut here so want to knock out a couple commercials real quick ozonic scent elimination uh if if you haven't had the opportunity to educate yourself on what o3 does you need to head on over to ozonics website and uh just read up on how their system works right i use it on my access routes i have the machine on uh, the little unit on on my access routes while i'm in the tree and in a dry wash bag at home after and before every hunt so uh Go to their website and enter the discount code NFC21 and you're going to get a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of their units. The next one is Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands. American made, one of my favorite pieces of equipment. Uh, It allows me to get into any tree I want, allows me to be mobile. As you've heard me talk on this website or on this podcast, first time in, best time in this year was no exception. I went in there with my Lone Wolf climbed up a tree hung my stand up shot one of the best top top two three bucks i've ever shot Um, and it's because i was able to be mobile and jump into an area um, a gap in the pressure and uh, where i thought these deer were at and sure enough that's where they were at Uh, discount code 9fc And you're going to save $50 off all purchases over $200. 9FC21. And then we have Exodus Trail Cameras. Again, Exodus Trail Cameras have allowed me to uh, basically document the timber while I'm not there. I use that information in my strategy. ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Excalibur Crossbows. If you are in the market for a crossbow, be sure to check out ExcaliburCrossbow.com. And uh, check out their new crossbow it's called the twin strike uh, two it holds two arrows wasp broadheads total destruction of both deer that I've shot this year my deer in south dakota and my iowa buck uh just completely destroyed them causing them death and that's what you want out of a broadhead and you can uh, go check out their mechanical and their fixed blade selection at uh, wasparchery.com long long discount code here 9 the number 9 fingers 2021 nine fingers two zero two one and you're gonna save twenty percent off of your purchase and then we have Vortex title sponsor vortexoptics.com. Um I'm getting to play around with a couple new products this year. Um I can't wait to share that with you. But great company, great product, great warranty, the probably the best warranty. Uh, so go to vortexoptics.com and then lastly hunt stand. Hunt stand is one of those uh Uh, pieces of equipment that you can hold in your phone it's an app it's a a, it's the best hunting app it's the most affordable hunting app and it has the most robust features Uh, and the only way you're going to be able to to learn more about hunt stand is i've talked about it on this on this podcast several times on how i use it go to their website huntstand.com and you will Learn about all the functionality. And if you want to purchase it, I can save you 20% uh, 20 off, and that is SN20, SN20, and that is 20% off. So commercials are in the books. Thank you guys very much for tuning in over and over and over again. the network is seeing some great growth. The Nine Finger Chronicles is seeing some great growth, uh, both on, on the social platforms. But please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles. Subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast. Subscribe to the Sportsmen's Nation, S-P-O-R-T-S m e n s nation hyphen whitetail hunting that's the name of the 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 podcast Uh, and that's the the network feed so to speak so then all the other podcasts that are on the network get dumped into that one feed as well so you can go and listen to these podcasts on their own or you can listen to the whitetail feed and get all of them under one uh under one umbrella so Let's talk with Sean Lambert about his success in Ohio three two one all right on the phone with me today Mr Sean Lambert Sean how we doing man
1: good how are you Dan
0: I'm doing great I was able to wrap my tag around the antlers of a beautiful buck and it looks like you have done the same thing are, are you are you pretty jacked
1: I'm super jacked man I'm Super happy with the way my uh, out-of-state trip turned out, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, so and we're going to break all that down uh, in this episode, but before we get into today's uh, bread-and-butter, meat-and-potatoes conversation, why don't you let everybody know where you're from and what do you do for a living? Yeah,
1: sure. So uh, I'm from northern Vermont, uh, about 20 minutes from the Canadian border, and I'm a union pipe fitter uh, by trade. I'm a certified welder. I've got a plumbing license, so... Pretty much anything, anything in that realm is my gig.
0: Gotcha, cool. Uh, And you work for you work for like a a union company, or do you uh, like own your own business, or how's that work?
1: So I work for a union contractor. Yeah, at a six nine three local six nine three, and there's uh, there's quite a few contractors out of there. We all kind of do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Vermont, uh, my aunt used to live in Vermont and I went up there a couple of times and visited her, uh, absolutely gorgeous state. I love Vermont. Um, like the Appalachians run through there, especially in the fall, you know, when all the leaves are changing, it's like every early nineties, late eighties, or uh, what are those? Uh, uh, Bravo, not Bravo, but lifetime original movies. I feel like they're all filmed in, in Vermont
1: that country yeah yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying
0: yeah um so let's see here first first question maple syrup is Vermont's maple syrup the best in the country
1: oh absolutely no no doubt about it I actually uh, the farm I live on we tap 5,000 trees it's everywhere uh, where I live we're kind of in the heart of it um, definitely right in the center of the highest producing county uh, in
0: the state so yeah
1: but yeah, Vermont's, Vermont's the place to get it if you want the good stuff.
0: Yeah, so if Iowa is the mecca for white-tailed deer, Vermont is the mecca for maple syrup.
1: Absolutely, hands down, yes, sir.
0: Gotcha, okay, okay. Uh, the other thing, and I always bring this up whenever I talk to somebody uh, from Vermont, have you heard of the alpine slides? I have not. Okay, so man, this, this must have been somewhere in between Burlington and Manchester, Vermont. Uh, on one of the sides of the mountains out there they have a uh, what is it like these concrete or these metal troughs that run down the side of the mountain and you get in a little scooter or a little cart that has a lever in between your legs you push it forward and you go faster and you pull it backwards and it creates friction and it slows you down Do, do you know what i'm talking about now
1: uh i kind of do but i'm not familiar exactly okay. with
0: them no anyway so every time we'd go out there um we would ride on those uh those alpine slides and they were fun as hell to to ride on and sure, it, yeah just wipe out you know you i they they may not be as popular anymore just for insurance reason you know insurance reasons right, i can right, see right. i can yeah, see absolutely. them those things getting canceled if you know what i mean Yes, in today's world, yes, I do know what you mean. Exactly. So all right. So this story here. before we get into this story, let's talk about deer hunting in Vermont. Um, I've had okay. I've had guys come on from Vermont and talk about how you know it is one of those states where if you see five deer a year, it's a good thing uh, that's, that's good. Uh, and, and if you shoot like a, a buck, it's a good thing. So is that right online from what you experience or is that, is that not, not the case? No, you're,
1: you're pretty well on. Um, so the deer hunting, I feel like is definitely getting better and they've finally gone to one buck. We were a two buck state for a long time, which I never really understood, but I guess I'm not a biologist. So that's not my thing. Um, but they finally went to one buck and they did put a, an uh, antler restriction in place. So that's, that's great. Um, that's definitely helped. I've definitely seen a difference since I started hunting. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, pretty low densities, not super low. I mean, depending where, where you are, if you get up into the mountains, go way North, um, Northeast rather. Um, uh, but, yeah, if you if you see a buck, generally uh you better you better take him because you might not see another.
0: Yeah. Are there pockets of really good deer hunting in there because every every once in a while you'll hear of a a guy just slay a giant out of Vermont.
1: <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh especially as you ha- as you head down toward southern Vermont, there's there's definitely more deer and we are getting some good bucks now and we're getting you know, you're hearing of quite a few deer over 200 pounds and, uh, that's kind of always been a thing that there's 200 pound deer, but, um, that the horns are definitely, you're seeing a lot more good deer getting taken. It's just, it's not like when I drive out to Ohio and you're passing buck after buck after buck, chasing across fields and running across the roads in front of you. Like it's not anything like that. Um, yeah, you know, i I would say our average, and I say this as an average, you know, because there's definitely really, really good Vermont deer that do get taken every year. Um, but I would say, on average, the average buck killed during our 14 day gun season is a five, six pointer, seven pointer that's 150 pounds or less, two year old deer, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of two year olds killed, and that's why I feel like we don't have. You know, you got to let them grow, of course, but Vermont's a super hard hunted state. I mean, per square mile, there isn't places you go where there's not pressure, you know, there's people everywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, uh, you live on the East coast, right? Higher population density and you're a small state. So, um, do people come to Vermont to hunt from like New Hampshire or who borders you to the West?
1: Um, to the West would be New York. York. So I don't ever see New York plates, very rarely New Hampshire plates, but if you go to New Hampshire, you see a lot of Vermont plates. Gotcha. Uh, if you get across that river, there's, I don't know what changes about the deer. I mean, I know, I do know it's, they've got a lot more land to roam and to hide, and they've got a lot better feed quality. They have a lot of mass crop trees and, uh, they've got some really nice deer in New Hampshire. Gotcha. But low densities, of course, you know, they're, they're mountain deer.
0: Yeah. All right, so you, you said to yourself, "Hey, man, I love Vermont. Vermont's awesome for maple syrup, but I want to go. I want to go chase a big deer." Um, yes, sir. Why did you decide to focus on Ohio of all places?
1: So Ohio, it was uh, it was it was my choice because I've been there. So this, this is my third trip to Ohio, and I've been out of state. I've been hunting out of state for five or six years now, and I've gone to Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, um, Missouri, and Ohio, yeah. and I had a really nice buck come in on me in Ohio the first year I was there, and I biffed it, you know, buck fever took over, I'd never seen a deer like that before in my life,
0: That happens. so
1: got all worked up, couldn't get my bow around, I was in a climber, I was sitting down, he came up from behind me, I rattled him in, and uh, he came up postured hard and and looking you know so i blew that one i went back the next year i missed a really good buck on my last day uh the ninth day i was there and i'd let a couple of smaller bucks walk that i probably shouldn't have i probably should have been gaining the experience and just just worried about killing deer um so i i got pretty worked up the deer came in running he was he was jason i finally got him to stop uh long and short of it he stopped behind a tree i had to wait Tried to lean back and get a better shot angle, and he spooked and some reason stopped again at 20 yards. And I let it fly and didn't didn't pay enough attention, I guess. I let that, that fever probably kick in a little again, and uh, I hit a limb and I think was easily avoided, but um, or could have been. And uh, that deer that deer walked away. Luckily, um, a good friend of mine that was out there with us was able to get an arrow in him that night. Uh, he came back around. I was pretty bummed that I had even left the stand. I should have stayed there, but uh Colin Colin was able to stick an arrow in him and that was great. He was uh, I believe it was a hundred and thirty six inch ten pointer, so that was that was cool.
0: Nice. So I needed a
1: little redemption anyway. I need I need some redemption and uh I I had to do it, you know, had to do it for myself. I had to go back there and, and get it done.
0: Yeah. All right. So you know, you, you did your research. Uh, it sounds like you had the right type of experiences in in Ohio to make you want to go back for this third. This is the third trip, right? Yep. Yep. Third trip to Ohio. Um, talk to me about the prep for this hunt, you know, not just the, you know, Hey, how to pack my bags, but how, how do you know, how did you know where to go, when to go, um, what did you use as tools? How did you scout from a long distance? And then how did you scout, um, when you got there as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I knew last year leaving Missouri last fall that I was going to probably end up back in Ohio. So that was kind of where I started. I knew I wanted to get back there and, uh, my buddies that I usually go out of state with had some plans on things that they wanted to do and they just they weren't meeting up and i was totally cool with that i just wanted to like i said i wanted to go back to ohio and get some redemption so um i had planned to do this trip 100% solo so that's what i did and uh so i started back in june i got a, i got on the airbnb and i was looking around and and uh there was a huge volume of houses but they were all super expensive so um that's how i was going to do it is just try to find a decent place and then go from there so instead i was like well I'm going to go on on X and look at where there's some multiple pieces. I wanted to find multiple pieces of public. I didn't want to get strapped to one or two places and, you know, stop driving two hours to get somewhere else. So I found where there was a lot of smaller chunks of public and, uh, typed in the town name in the Airbnb, found a great spot and I booked it. And then I spent over the next couple of months just, uh, cruising through, on X on the computer, and really trying to narrow down some nice rut funnels, and uh, trying to look at access, and trying to get away from some of those access points, and uh, that's how I started. Anyway. Yeah.
0: How when you when you booked that Airbnb, did you put a limit on yourself as far as hey, every morning or afternoon, I'm willing to drive X amount of miles or this distance from? my airbnb to whatever public uh like how, how did yeah. you put limitations on that
1: i figured an hour because i drive an hour every day to work uh so i'm pretty comfortable waking up early and driving an hour to wherever i gotta go so i figured you know that wouldn't feel any different or like i'm running myself down you know right. if i can get to the spot within an hour
0: yeah yeah absolutely and um so you pretty much made a circle around that uh airbnb and you said anything within this uh, this 60 miles let's just say uh the 60 mile radius is fair game uh how like i i'm you know i've never done any research maybe a little bit on ohio um in that uh 60 mile radius from your airbnb what were the options you were given? I mean, was there a lot of public land, a little bit of public land? Uh, you know you mentioned that yeah, you were sure. you were looking for um kind of smaller chunks that were out of the way. What's that mean?
1: So I was looking at um I was trying to find places that were you know fifteen hundred acres or a couple thousand acres, and then maybe a couple pieces that were less than a thousand acres there's There's a lot of public land in Ohio and everyone everyone loves to go to Ohio. You know, it's a good state. They've got good deer. They've got a lot of public land. So um, I was just trying to get out of that pressure because I've hunted it in the past, and it's it can get really difficult, obviously. Um, even with a higher density and bigger deer, they're not any less smart, that's for sure. And uh, I knew that I had to get away from some of that wave. I feel like I always think about pressure, uh, hunting pressure as a wave, you know. It's always you can stay in front of that tide, that rip tide, you're pretty good. But it seems like as you hunt one spot for a couple of days, that looks good and there's not a lot of trucks. And then all of a sudden the trucks start filing in and everybody starts leaving and you go to the next spot and then, before you know it, there's two, three, four, five trucks. And then, you know, there's 10 trucks the next day. And, um, so I was just trying to figure I could get ahead of that. And that's why I wanted more places around me so I could try to stay in front of that wave and stay out of the pressure. Yeah. Um, what, so yeah. what,
0: what was your goal? Uh, going into this hunt Um, you had two years under your belt Um, did you have a particular age class in mind a particular antler size in mind what was your goal
1: so I was looking for a three-year-old deer or better or what I figured was a three-year-old
0: okay like any three-year-old or did it have to uh, have some some antlers on it as well
1: I mean I wasn't gonna shoot a little scrub but I uh I figured you know with that three and a half year old mark that generally there's some some good enough antler for a vermont boy like myself to uh be pretty proud of so i yeah. figured that if i could get onto a three-year-old and and uh, have a good opportunity then that was going to be plenty for me i think there's probably a lot of guys that would uh that have different standards and that's totally fine you know hunt your hunt
0: yeah absolutely all right so um how much time as far as days are concerned, were you able to dedicate to this hunt?
1: Before I got there?
0: Yeah. So what what, what I'm getting at is, you know, you're leaving Vermont. It's not like, I don't know what your schedule is, but how much time were you dedicating to this hunt? Like for me, when I go out West, I was dedicating seven days.
1: Okay. So I, I dedicated 10 days to this hunt.
0: Okay. 10 days to the hunt. And how were you? How what was your plan on approaching this? You know, you got there, you did your digital scouting, you were looking for places to go and hunt. Um, now you're there. You, you know, now it's time to put boots on the ground and, and actually get out there and start observing and hunting. Um, what was your What was your short term goal as far as the first couple of days? And how did that line up with the ten day uh, limit that you had there?
1: So the initial goal was to get there and spend the first day pretty much just driving. Uh, I drove around a lot of pieces of public, learned the roads and I wanted to go around and through every piece of them because you go up one road and there's no pressure and things look good, but you come around the corner and realize that there's five trucks lined up there and they're just coming in. They're accessing that piece of woods from the other side. Um, What I didn't want to do with a limited amount of time is to get there and just be jumping in trees to hunt because I'm there to hunt and be wasting days you know? Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that I had, uh, some quality stand locations. I didn't want to, um, like I said, I didn't want to just be getting in a tree just to hunt because it's the rut and I'm in Ohio. You know what I mean? I wanted to make sure that I had quality, some quality spots with low pressure. Yeah. So I just drove around those first couple of days.
0: Okay. And what, and, what uh, day did you get there?
1: So I would have got there this past Wednesday night. So Wednesday night would have been the 3rd. The 3rd. Yep. Right? So I left home at 3:30 in the morning. Uh it was about 15-hour drive with traffic and and stop and stuff. So I drove that and um I got there. I got a license and I found a pull off and I got in the back seat and uh, I got some sleep. Brought a sleeping bag with me and uh it was about 24 degrees that night, so it was a little little frosty out there. <laughs> but uh I I woke up, uh, well before sunrise and I went and got a coffee and, uh, I started driving around some more. I drove around a little bit when I got there in the dark and just trying to look at parking areas and, uh, tire tracks, what we were looking at, how many people it looked like had been using that pull off, you know, Yeah, kind of making a mental note. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so from there I just drove around the next morning and then the second day I put the boots down and I started covering ground and I was, uh, nowhere near on with what i expected for pressure it was it was incredibly higher than i thought it was going to be and actually the area that i had e-scouted mostly that i had planned on hunting i threw that thing right in the trash and i uh, started over because there was no way i was going to get in there and not run into four or five guys a night
0: yeah and from what i hear i've been there before where you have to scrap uh I, not this past year but the year before when i went to um uh, South Dakota on, on my, my annual mule deer hunt. The first night was beautiful. Uh, wait, the first, yeah, the, the first two nights were gorgeous. Went in there and then I wasn't seeing the deer that I wanted to. I packed out, went clear around. And then that's when I just started running into body after body, after body, after body. Um, and for me, it was a little, dis you know, a little discouraging. How did you handle that when, you had this plan in place, and then that plan instantly gets scrapped.
1: Oh, it was discouraging. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit on the other end of this phone and tell you that. Oh, it was good, and you know, no, it sucked. It yeah. was like, damn it, man. I, everything, everything that I had, you know, you envision this trip, especially when you're driving 15 hours alone. You've got always everything's painting pictures in your head, you know. Right. And uh, it was like a kick in the nuts. It's like, damn it, man. I didn't think this was what was gonna happen. Um, so I just packed up and kept driving. Um, and I drove to another area that was about an hour ish from where I was staying. I hadn't checked in my Airbnb yet. Still, I went out there a couple days early so I could scout. Um, so I slept in the truck again that second night and it was another 23, 24 degree night. And I got up that morning and went straight to the piece of woods that I had found the night before. And, uh, I had e-scouted it in the truck uh, when I you know before I went to bed that night.
0: Yeah,
1: and I found some I found some stuff that looked good so I went and I started stomping all over that and um, I was just finding a lot of boot tracks a lot of boot tracks yeah. and a Lot of leftover lunches and beer cans and water bottles and just the uh, evidence that people had been in there pretty heavily, So yeah. um,
0: So at this point, yeah Right? You're you're it sounds to me like you're cycling through the your your spots that you have A been before and B E scouted and they're just turning up dog shit. Right. So yeah. so now what? What's what's your thought process after uh you know, it sounds to me like a whole nother day of just running into more human pressure.
1: Yeah, so it was a whole nother day. And actually this area I was Dan, i I'd never hunted there before. The places that I had hunted uh, the two years prior to being there were probably three hours from where I was. Okay.
0: Um, okay.
1: But being alone, I wanted to shorten the drive up a little bit and uh, get out of some of the more rugged terrain because I knew I was going to be dragging alone if I was successful. So this was this place that I had never seen a day in my life until uh, like nine o'clock at night on the third. Um, so what I did from there was I checked in my Airbnb that night. Uh, I went... I went and uh, got a shower and made a ham sandwich and kind of regrouped, thought about some things, opened the computer up, uh, got on Onyx and started looking a little more in depth. I like the computer a lot. It helps, you know, you can really blow things up and see a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I got on there and I had found one spot on Saturday that I was pretty confident in. It was really, really sick. It was going to be a pretty tight shot, but I knew that, it was a good spot and there wasn't, there wasn't any pressure that I had seen unless someone was coming from the other road. But, and I did see some deer while I was down in there. So that was, that was a good feeling to know that I at least had one cushion to fall on, you know.
0: Do Um, me a favor and explain to us exactly what you were looking for as far as terrain is concerned or topo lines or, you know, what are, what were you looking for to say, Hey, I want to go investigate this spot.
1: So I was trying to find anything uh, that was a tight pinch that was, you know, your cruiser would come bouncing through Uh, what, what I would figure, you know, hopefully too, when I got in there and got looking at it, there was some doe bedding um, on the up, upwind side of that, you know, anything on the bodies of water, you know, that they're pinched, they got to go around it Um, real steep terrain, you know, ledges, rocks and, um, anything like that, so that's what I did. So that third day, I burned a third day again scouting, and that's when I found, I found the kill spot, right. and I knew that that was the one.
0: What What was the kill spot? Talk to us about. You know, I've been there before. You walk into a spot, and you almost get, you know, get, you get aroused, right? You're like, oh my god, this oh yeah. is, this is it. Walk us through what that looked like.
1: Okay, so I got in there. Um, it was a pretty steep ridge and there was a saddle right at the top where it kind of dropped down into a bottom that wasn't, it wasn't a real steep bottom. It wasn't like the one I had walked up out of to get to it. And where that was, I could see three other or two other ridge tops. And then the third was the one I was standing on. And so those all kind of had some drainage type feature in them that kind of all dumped together. And the second one being in the middle um, from the top of that to the bottom of this little hole in between these ridges, maybe was a 50 foot difference in elevation. You know, it wasn't super, super drastic. So I knew I could keep a pretty consistent wind up in there because those bottoms are hard to hunt, you know, the wind gets swirling, pushing around. But I knew this one was going to be good because I was going to be able to keep that consistent wind. And, uh, I was like, well, this is looking good. And it was a hell hole to get to. It was, yeah. it was thick. The green briars were holding me up and it was yep. gnarly. But when I got there, the opposite side of those three ridges was a rock wall i mean it was an 80 foot drop and every deer that wanted to go from one two or three or from one two or three had to go through there okay and it was absolutely tore up with buck sign and uh i knew it was the spot yeah
0: all right so was this a spot that you could access from multiple directions, or did you have to have a specific wind direction to get in there? I mean, uh, because I'm envisioning this this layout that you've just described, and for some reason I am envisioning winds that just aren't consistent, or am I wrong here?
1: So I was getting a little bit of that, that backlash that like when the wind stops and hits the back of your neck. Yeah. Um, I was getting it. And it, it happened probably three or four times, and it, it did have me a little bit worried. But I was pretty high from where those deer were coming down, just because of the the way the terrain shifted as quick as it did in such a short angle, you know. And I was hoping that I could kind of get away with it, um, but it did. Yeah, the wind was bouncing around in there off the tops, but I was just close enough to the top of that number two ridge that. The wind was pretty consistent for about ninety percent of the time, but yeah, I only had I only had one access point because it was it was you know that rock wall on one side, and uh, it was a pond to come across. That, you know, I had to walk a beaver dam to get across to get in there.
0: Gotcha. And so it sounds like the access limited other people from finding or getting to this spot, uh, and you just had the uh, I guess I don't know, the guts or or the the motivation to to go that extra little bit and walk across that beaver dam and get back in there.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that that beaver dam was, uh, definitely holding some people out of there. I mean, I didn't see a tire track or a boot track. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think that I was just, you know, to the point where I exhausted most of the options I thought I had. And I was like, something's got, I got to find something different. I got to do something. Other people aren't right now. Yeah. And that meant potentially having cold, wet feet, but you know, I got, I got new socks and boots, so I was going to try it out.
0: Yeah. You got to do it, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you find the spot. Did you hunt right away, set up once you found it set up right away, or did you have to go back to the vehicle to get your stuff or did you have all that stuff on your back already?
1: So I carried my bow in with me and, uh, I went in there and I, I looked at the sign and I looked at where those deer were traveling in terms of those ridges. And I was trying to pinpoint a tree to get in. Um, And the trees were pretty limited. They were, they were all kind of, they're real uh, bent almost at the tops and they leaned really hard downhill. And there was a, there was a couple of smaller trees I could have got in. And one of them, one of them looked pretty good. So when I got there, uh, there was a Southeast wind and that's what I came in on. And the wind was kind of, I knew I was kind of torching the first ridge by walking down it and having my wind blow down it. But that left, that left two and three wide open and that gut wide open to shoot and do. Um, so that's the wind I used to get in there. And that's the wind I used to pick a tree. And as I was picking that tree, I was standing next to it trying to envision a bow shot because it was super, super thick in there. That was the other reason I liked the spot too. I should mention that it was really thick with briars and, uh, and small sh- like shrub trees. And I figured the deer probably felt pretty comfortable in there. You know, they had they had plenty of security cover and probably would move in there in daylight without any hesitation. So I picked that tree and as I'm, you know, kind of envisioning where I could shoot down through, I hear some commotion on that bottom coming up and I instantly know it's a deer running. So I put an arrow in my bow and I take a knee and this doe comes up like probably 65 yards and I think she hit my boot track because I'd walked down a little ways and peeked over the edge and uh, she didn't blow or anything, but she turned around and went back down. And when she did, I could hear a buck running and they chased around in circles for quite a while down in there. And I eventually snuck up to the edge, and they were gone. And I said, "Well, maybe if I sit on the ground here, uh, maybe they'll come back through. He'll push her back through." I ended up passing a, a decent six pointer. Uh, about a half hour later, he came cruising through, and, and he went by. And so I said, "You know, this is—I got to get back here tomorrow first thing." And it was like 4:30 at night. Okay. At this point, so.
0: So, did you set a stand up in there, or was your plan then to just hunt from the ground?
1: So my plan was to come in at daylight, like, be leaving the truck with my pack on at legal shooting light so I could find a tree because the wind had shifted overnight. Okay. Um, Which they didn't call for. I actually didn't realize that until I got there. And so I just waited it out. I waited for it to get a little light. And I kind of J-hooked once I got uh, across that dam and I came up a different side. And uh, that's how I picked a tree. I I wanted a little light so I could see because it was so thick in there I knew if I just climbed a tree in the dark getting a shot out of it was going to be
0: pretty slim yeah yeah i've been there before (laughs) nothing pisses you off more when you're doing a running gun setup and then you you're like oh god i feel real good and then as the as the uh deer you can hear the deer crunching, and then it gets light and you're like i have absolutely zero shooting lanes anywhere you've like set up in a in a tree with all the low branches
1: yep yep yeah that sucks and i didn't want to i didn't want to be tearing down and setting back up you know, in crucial or potentially crucial times. So yeah, I uh, had to burn a little bit of daylight to do it, but I, you know, I knew that I'd be doing it once at that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you you get in there. um, What, like, were you seeing any deer movement as you were walking into this area?
1: No, and I didn't figure that I would unless they were bedded right there and let me walk up to them because those briars are, you know, unfortunately it was so thick that I was trying to go as quiet as I can. But... I mean, I knew that I was making noise there those briars are so hard to get through and get under, and there was a lot of blowdowns. There's a lot of tangle up on the top and it was, it was pretty tough getting in there. That was the other reason I figured that I probably, I actually, when I went to scout it questioned whether or not I should even try to go through that. Cause what is on the other side other than more of this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I figured, you know, if I get across like, "Well, I was a walk here, you know, I'm here to hunt. So I'm already three quarters the way to where I wanted to go. If I burn an extra hour, what's it matter? Let me go check it out. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. Because um, it turned out obviously real good. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't blow any deer out, but I did get up in the tree and a spike horn came down with his nose to the ground cruising by it, like, I don't know, 40 minutes later. And that was pretty good because I knew my set was working and I wasn't getting busted. So that was a nice. I mean, I think that year old buck would let a lot more go. But
0: yeah. Was, so... I was happy to see work. So that morning, that uh, that little buck comes through, were, were you planning on sitting there all day then?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always try to sit all day when I'm out on a trip because that's what you're there for. You know, you're spending money to go hunt. So I've never understood eating eating lunch in the truck when you can carry it in with you.
0: Right, right. All right, so you are, you're sitting there, uh, you see that buck come through. How long before the next deer came through?
1: So it was four o'clock when the next year came through and it was the one I shot.
0: Oh, dang. So you sat there all day without seeing anything. And the next year that not came one deer— <laughs> uh, were you starting to get any type of discouraged questioning whether or not you picked the right spot?
1: No, cause the sign was there. I knew, I knew the spot was good. It was just a matter of time before something was going to come cruising through there. Yeah. Um, with the activity that I saw the night before and the last, you know, in that half hour, hour, whatever that I sat there that, and all the buck sign there was a lot of uh a lot of rubs down at the bottom and there was a a pile of you know historical rub trees that were still being worked and I knew that you know with the time uh, something was gonna happen
0: all right so we're fast forwarding to four o'clock uh yeah kind of walk us through you know from the point that you saw him walk us through what what he did what you did and how you got to airline him
1: okay yeah so uh, it was about four o'clock and I heard some crunching from behind me and I'm, I'm in a saddle I'm hunting out of a saddle so um, I don't know if you you don't saddle hunt so um, I guess anyway I had to turn around and so I threw my tether over my shoulder bow arm went underneath the tether and I was backwards of the tree and this crunching started getting closer 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 and I'm like this isn't a deer I can hear it I'm like this maybe I don't know if it's a turkey I don't know if it's a deer I don't think it's a deer it's not I don't hear any limbs breaking like definitely uh definitely making a lot of noise but so I went to turn around and I was like you know I say that but I'm gonna feel really dumb if I turn back around hang my bow up and a deer comes up behind me and I gotta get spun back around I'm already here just stay here yeah so I stood there for about five minutes and uh, it ended up being a turkey I saw it after (laughs) I saw the turkey after I shot the deer but um so I was still backwards and I heard him grunt and I couldn't tell where it come from at first and then I heard him grunt again. He, and uh, they were just real quick tending grunts. And he grunted again. And he was behind me. He was coming into my my lane that I had envisioned they would come from the way I was set up. Except for now, instead of it being my strong side side shot, it was uh, behind me. Gotcha. So I peeked over my shoulder real quick, and I could see two deer coming down through the trail. And I've got two and a half, call it, shooting lanes uh out of that tree and that was about the best i could find anywhere i spent a lot of time standing back and looking at those trees i walked up to him because it was so thick and my furthest shot was going to be like 23 24 yards um it was it was real tight in there so anyway i look over my shoulder and i see him i see the horns i'm like okay this is a deer i'm I'm definitely going to try to put an arrow in if he gives me the opportunity and so i kind of roll against the tree with my left shoulder and uh get my bow up and I go to draw my bow and I'm probably halfway back and the deer stop. So I freeze and I couldn't hold the bow half, half pull anymore. So I started letting it back down real slowly. And as I did, they proceeded to come down the trail some more. So, um, I kind of gave it a second. And as I saw the doe coming into my vision now, cause I had the tree blocking them. I had to let them walk past my tree before I could shoot them, um, or get a shot at him. And so, As I start to see the doe coming through the brush, um, I draw and get anchored. And uh, they both stop again, and he's still not anywhere I can get a shot. And the doe bounds four or five yards and stops again. She was this little tiny fawn, probably a 65-pound fawn. He was running the hell out of her. Her Tongue was hanging right out of her mouth. So uh, she stopped again. You know, she was just exhausted. And when she did, he kind of approached her and went to put his nose up under her tail and he just stopped there like in a full sneak you know and uh he stopped night his shoulder and his neck that's all i had he was he was still on those briars pretty hard but uh, i was pretty confident that i had i could get that arrow in there no problem so uh i settled the pin uh gave myself the the quick talk to not get weird and just just let an arrow happen you know um told myself to hold it together there for a second just follow through follow through follow through and on that third one i let that arrow zing and i watched that green Luminog disappear in his shoulder
0: yeah so was he full frontal or was he kind of hard quartering towards
1: uh he broadside really hard
0: oh so it was broadside really hard but you shot neck instead of behind the shoulder
1: i shot shoulder oh you shot shoulder okay okay yeah, okay. yeah, it was the only thing I had. He was, uh, he was just covered in briars gotcha. and and brush. So it just his head and his okay. neck and shoulder was exposed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So you let the arrow go. Instant reaction. First thing that uh, you know, you have that bow hunters. We have this reaction, or hunters in general, whatever. Dead, or well, uh, you know, like, oh, like what was your initial reaction? Uh,
1: he smashed. Yeah. I knew he was dead.
0: Yeah. Good. Yep. And that's a good yep. feeling to have, yep. isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a great feeling to have, especially when you're 15 hours from home, man. <laughs> it's great. It's great.
0: So yeah. were you able to watch him fall or did he run off and disappear?
1: So he, he took off at about 115 miles an hour. Maybe it was 117 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but it was quick. He, uh, he made quick work at that bottom and I didn't hear him anymore, and I was, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I know I just, I knew I got a full pass through because I saw the leaves fly behind him. I actually lost the arrow because the shot angle, it ended up going down under the leaves, and I lost that arrow, But um, which sucks because you got a lot of money into those. Um, But that's okay. I got the deer, so that's fine. Uh, So I lost sight of him, and I couldn't hear him anymore, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how did that deer, I just took both of his lungs out. I know I did. There's no way I didn't how did he, how is he still going, you know? And, uh, all of a sudden I, I hear him again and I look up and he's starting to walk up that ridge, that number three ridge, let's call it back toward that stone wall. And then he just stops and he's standing there and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, he's not wobbly or anything. He's just standing there kind of looking down and, uh, at the time I'm like, what is going on here? You know, he took off again and went headfirst into that rock wall and, uh, actually ended up, breaking his g3 off
0: clean at the base oh damn
1: that's did you find the g3 yes yeah i spent some time looking i found it
0: good good so at least you can give it to the tax and say hey fix this
1: oh yeah yep
0: that's awesome man um so you you made it you made it happen right and uh so you uh you get down you walk over to him you put your hands on him uh for the first time what are you thinking about this whole experience at this point
1: i was kind of like lost for words you know i was just like in awe holding this deer up and it just meant so much to me to be able to go out there and do it and do it alone on top of it you know 100 percent solo public ground i was just like lost for words you know it was just uh it was a great feeling and it was my best buck, and I killed him with a bow. Yeah. And uh, I actually scored him last night myself. I watched a couple of videos. I'm not much for score, but I was just kind of curious, and uh, I knew we were gonna have this talk, so I kind of wanted to have a rough idea. Um, and I scored him myself at 122 and 4/8. So. Oh, really? That's a great buck.
0: Yeah. Uh, dude, I yep. would have. I just by looking at the picture, I would have guessed differently. I would have guessed higher than that. Um, but I will tell Maybe you, I did
1: it wrong. I don't know, but I don't know much about it. It's the first time I've ever done it.
0: Yeah. I, I, I look at this the picture of this deer and I, I guess bigger, but one thing really? that is not a, uh, surprise, uh, as far as his, you know, a, a big bot, this, this buck looks like a pit bull. He, he has he's a huge, big body, he, big body.
1: He's a big body, very short deer and very thick body deer. I actually yeah. just finished cutting him up this morning. Um, and he I got a lot of meat off that deer he was a thick deer
0: yeah I'll tell you this right now yeah. um one of the biggest antler deer that I've ever I mean I I it's that shipwreck deer that I always talk about as far as uh yeah um the deer that educated me the most he was a short-bodied deer too he wasn't very long but he was thick in the front end and uh um i've i've run into a couple deer like that over you know over the years and uh it just looks like a pit bull man so here's uh, so now now the the question is you got them down and you got to drag them out over a beaver dam how's that work
1: so i got my phone those pictures i sent you i stuck a couple sticks on the ground and uh with like crotches in them and stuck my phone in there and i'm like looking at this deer and i'm like man this thing's got a lot of horns this is a lot more horn than I've ever put my hands on. Yeah. Uh, and I was still just like kind of starstruck. And by the time I got done looking at this thing, it was dark and I'm like, Oh, I haven't even taken any pictures yet. You know, I just couldn't get over it. So um, I got some pictures and I got him gut out and I dragged him up to the tree I was in, which was about hundred, 120 yards from, from uh, where he was laying. Yeah. So I dragged him down over there and I, Got all my stuff together, which I'd already done while I was, you know, I'm pretty firm believer in giving him an hour, even if you see him go down. Um, I wanted to just make sure, you know, I've got a tracking dog here at home that I've been tracking wounded deer with, uh, started this year doing it. He's 10 months old, but he's been doing really good. And so I've kind of learned a lot from doing that. And, you know, definitely, even if I see him go down, I want to give him some time because you get some crazy calls and things that happen, you know? Yep. So... I gave him the hour, I packed up all my stuff, um, I took my jacket off, and, you know, my hat and all that good stuff, I got everything put away, and only kept my release and my bow and my rangefinder out, and uh, got my sticks put on, and I took, I've got, like, an eight-foot rope mod, so I took one of those off, and I wrapped that around his horn, and uh, around his antler, and I put that to a nice big limb I found and snapped off the end, I dragged him up there, I got my pack on. I grabbed my bow and uh, started dragging and then realized that I had my work cut out for me. Yeah. Uh, that was a pull down out of there. I mean, I was probably, it took me three and a half hours. I was about a half mile out. So Jeez. Um, Is...
0: it took, go ahead. That? Go ahead.
1: It took some serious, some serious work, man. The, those vines and briars were so thick that I was just getting caught. I mean, I was literally pulling that deer three or four yeah. yards at a time, five at max. And I was having to drop the rope, untangle him, pull him a little more again, you know. So I was pull, unhook him, grab the stick, grab my bow back up off the ground, pull him again, because I pulled him all out with all my stuff. I didn't want to have to go back in there that night, you know.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so I pulled him out with all my stuff. And then when I got down to that beaver pond, I realized that I had dropped down about 100 yards too far to the left. <sighs> so I had to drag him up through the alders to get to the dam, because the pond... Was like a sheer drop off, and I wasn't going to go waist deep, so I yeah. uh, had to drag him all the way up through the alders, which I could have just gone downhill to the dam, but I missed it in the dark. Yeah um, Dragged him up through there, got to the the dam, and uh, I threw him into the water, threw him over the bank there, and uh, I just floated him across. Actually, I didn't know if he'd float or not, being that the gut cavity was open, um, but he did. He it was the easiest part of the whole pole. Yeah, and pulled them across, pulled him up onto the bank on the other side. And at that point I was close enough to my truck. I brought all my stuff to my truck and I needed some water, you know? So I drank two bottles of water and, uh, cooled off for a second. I went back down there and that last hundred yards was the hardest pull of the whole thing, man. It was straight uphill. The deer was like sliding away from me. I'd pull two, three feet and it'd slide down away from me. And I was, so I was having to like anchor myself as I was catching my breath. And, uh, that took a while. Yeah. Uh,
0: that was hard. Damn, that was hard. <laughs> so, is, is that uh, a state? So, in Iowa, you have to remove the deer whole. You can't quarter them up in the in the woods and take them out. Is Ohio like that as well?
1: I'm not sure the actual law. I haven't put my eyes on him, but I did ask a um, like a resource officer or what ha- whatever you want to call him that was out there. He wasn't a game warden, but he worked for. I think he said he worked for. Uh, I can't remember now. He worked for a park. Um, one of the parks out there that's all public and he said they had to come out whole, but I didn't, I didn't go and read it myself. Um, it did cross my mind just to pack it out. Cause I've done that in the past. I've done that other places and it crossed my mind, but I was, you know, pretty far from a good knife and I didn't want to walk back in there and go back in with all my stuff and, and my block and tackle and rig him up and cut him up at night and then end up hanging him in the tree overnight or whatever. I, I was pretty determined that I could get out of there. Yeah. So I just kept, kept pulling.
0: Yeah. Well, you got him. You got him out, right? I did. Uh, And I got him out. It makes it all worth it in the end, right?
1: Absolutely. Every part of it. Every Every part of it. it. Every footstep, man.
0: What was that? What was that 15 hour drive home like?
1: It was great. It went, it flew. Yeah. Yeah. It was good.
0: That's awesome. I felt
1: good. I was coming home with some horns, some good horns to show all my buddies and, and my girlfriend, she was super super proud super happy for me you know she knew this was something that meant a lot to me to go out and do she's pretty nervous she didn't want me to go out there alone and whatnot and uh you know she's ecstatic she's the girl that when i call her she always knows if i'm calling i got something dead you know so yeah. when i call her at 4:30 at night she's already freaking out on the phone you know <laughs> so it was cool she was excited you know she was pumped up see those horns too when i got home so that's cool that man. was that made it all the better yeah yeah, yeah it was super cool she uh she made these oatmeal raisin cookies for me before I left, man, and I think I went to survive it up. That was like a main staple of my <laughs> diet for seven days. I lived off those. She sent me like 50. I didn't come home with any.
0: Oh, mm. hey, you know, you come back with uh, a big buck and some diabetes, and it's a win, right?
1: It's all good, man. It's all I figured, good. hey, we're burning them off, so keep eating them.
0: Uh, that, yeah. That's the way to look at it. That's definitely the way to look at it. Yep. Well, I tell you what, man, um, congratulations on an awesome adventure and awesome, uh, deer. And, uh, are you going back to Ohio next year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back for sure. Yep.
0: Cool, man. Well, congratulations again.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time today.
0: And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to all you guys who continue to listen. Keep grinding out there. If you haven't found success yet, um, your time is going to come. Uh, the more time you spend in the woods, the more chances you're going to have uh, on, a, on a deer. So if you if you start to get lazy, uh, just hear these words echo in, the, in, in your mind. Get off your ass and go hunt. Hunt your balls off, all right? Go do it. Uh, so huge shout out to Ozonics, Lone Wolf. Exodus, Excalibur, Wasp, Vortex, and Hunt Stand. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Yeah. Lastly, I'm sending good vibes out to all of you. Open up your arms and and, and catch them and go out into the woods and uh, hunt your ass off. Go get the job done. And most importantly, guys, wear a safety harness. And we'll talk to you next week.
1: Thank you.